Hey, you okay? Oh, damn enchiladas. Oh. You gonna be all right? Welcome to another episode of It's Them Damn Enchiladas, the podcast where we delve into the world of horror movies, video games, television, comic books, and beer, or beer for the common folk. I am Carl Schumer, my partner on the other end of the mic, on the other side of the screen, and Washington football team fan is A to the Grizzly, B to the Busy, Adam Griffin. As always, follow us on the Red Hot Twitter machine, handles in the show notes, and the show please at It's Them Damn, Adam as the kids are fond of saying, what's up? Man, people still say that? And you, you can't be mentioning that damn football team. <laughs> I didn't. I did not mention the nickname. No, I don't. Yeah. I mean, especially that, but not even them, because, man, let me tell you, I, I can't even get started, because let's just say I've been seeing the same team play the same kind of crappy football for 15 years, and I'm tired. No, you're not. You're a football fan. <laughs> this is true. You still hold out hope. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's the one thing you gotta have these days. But I'm good. I'm good. We're here doing another episode, and uh, we uh, we got some fun stuff to talk about, especially today. Yes, this is uh, the Triple R episode. As that's we, right. Uh, as, well, no, as I've given it the moniker of. Triple R, that's right. I mean, Remakes, reboots, and reimaginings. Yes, reimaginings. And just like kind of off topic, but in in the vein of today, we got hit with a lot of them outside of the horror genres today. Uh, we got Punky Brewster, uh, Saved by the Bell, coming back. Stop. Hey, stop! Because I read the goddamn. <laughs> Clog <laughs> line on Saved by the Bell, and I was like, "This is a joke, right?" People, Zach Morris is the governor of California. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's it's part of the topic today because and his, uh, his privileged ass closing down schools. Yeah, is this how we're gonna start? Well, we're not gonna talk about it. The reboot like that. Well, you brought it up. It, it's I brought it up to prove a point, and that there's there's. Two different schools of reboots, remakes, reimaginings, whatever you want to call it. There are the kind that move the property forward in a positive fashion. And then there are the cash-ins that kind of exploit fan bases and uh, pretty much serve to only make a little bit of money and then keep it moving. Mm. And uh, I think, as far as that log line goes, Saved by the Bell is in the ladder, you know. Well, they got to push that new uh, Peacock. Yeah. Then they called it Peacock. Well, you know. Like, I mean, if I were in under, um, what's the word I want to use? I'm trying to use my words carefully here. If I was someone who was not in the know maybe uh, a minor I would think a streaming service called Peacock might be something else well you know it the the, uh, the branding of plumage fits in line with NBC's branding so yeah, I mean. I, it's you know it's whatever I mean they're not they're not thinking about that kind of stuff because they're old so <laughs> I mean Disney plus Hmm, all right, fine. Works for me. Yeah. You know, that's good. If they would have said NBC Plus, I'd have been, all right, crew. NBC Extra? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Peacock. We're just NBC streaming, but, you know, take a. And, you know, and all, you also got to remember 
all this stuff also serve its purpose and that people will do free marketing arguing about the shit. So, <laughs> with that being said, I thought it would be good to look at the positive side and look at how sometimes these remakes, reboots, reimaginings can push things forward while keeping these beloved franchises in folks' minds. Absolutely. Um, and the best way to start off of is with one of the greatest, if not the greatest, zombie movie of all time. Yep. You know, Night of the Living Dead. That's right. Night of Living Dead, 1968. Uh, it is the, you know, quintessential zombie movie uh without that movie you don't get the walking dead uh you don't get that you know that imagery of a farmhouse in pennsylvania being overtaken by shambling corpses you know a good chunk of the horror genre is gone if nine living dead does not exist uh, cash cow is gone. If well, yeah. Living Dead doesn't exist. Oh yeah, yeah. Cash cow. So, like, David George, you did a great job. Yeah. Besides that. So, you know, to update that, at the time, 22 years later, with Night Living Dead 1990, which was directed by Tom Savini and uh, written by George Romero revisiting his older material. You know, it's an update, but the story stays the same for the most part. Um, I think the, the best thing that Night Living Dead 1990 does is that it completely uh, redeems, recontextualizes, and updates Barbara, who's played by uh, Patricia Tallman, into one of the uh, most forward-thinking ass-kickers in horror movies. Which, you know, coming off that 1968 movie, you never would have seen that character in that kind of, you know, role that just completely moves things forward and takes sole control of their fate by the end of that film. Absolutely. I mean, even in 1968, when we got our hero, our hero, you know? Sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So Dwayne both, Jones. Both, both times were were uh, were groundbreaking. Um. And the remake, because it is a remake, we're you know, just conceptualized as a remake, and because I think about it, it's Tom Savini. That's right. Yeah. Like if you're gonna have someone <laughs> remake uh, a classic, mm-hmm. why not someone so invested into the into the storyline, into the, into the history of it. Right, yeah. I mean, you know, if, if, you know, at the barest of minimums, Tom Zabini knows how a zombie should look. Yeah. He was a combat photographer in Vietnam, so he's seen bodies. You know, he based his uh, makeup work off of that imagery. You know what? You know how, how the countenance of the face looks in death and all that. You know, just just translating that to film. So to have him, you know, direct that movie, and yeah, I mean that movie, that movie took a hit, you know, from the MPAA, and it's a shame we, you know, couldn't see the exact vision that he wanted. But you know that that presentation of Night of the Living Dead in 1990 you know it completely brings the film up into you know in front of new eyes in a good way like you always you always have the original version but this new one definitely brings more than its fair share of good things to it as well absolutely um to the original you get the black and white, and it's got that classic feel. The way it was made, it was made simply, 
You know, and what was good about the remake is that they don't they don't go too overboard. Um, with the things they do. I mean, in in terms of it is 1990s, not 2008 or 2018. Right. Where things start, you know. Apparently, you pop an artery every time you uh, touch somebody. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought the carotid artery was a lot harder to hit when I was a young child. <laughs> yeah, you had to, you had to work for it. You had to work. Like it was like you had to be some ninja assassin. Yeah. Pinpoint that thing. Now dudes are just walking out, flicking back of the ear, and all of a sudden, oh. Psh. Yep. Yep. Everywhere. But uh, I mean, it's and it, it it's funny, you know, just talking about this stuff. I mean, remakes have been, haven't just become a new thing. I mean, it's been happening since the dawn of motion pictures themselves. So, you know, now you're just, now what people know that once you label something as a remake or a reboot, it, uh, you're going to have people doing your job for you, marketing-wise, because they will hem and haw and do all of the, you know, heavy lifting for you. Like us. Like Like me. Mostly, because <laughs> you know how I feel mostly about this <laughs> remakes and reboots. See, yeah, that's that's why I wanted to just kind of <laughs> kind of sit towards the lighter side of things. The fact that you know maybe in some situations, when the material is respected, remakes and reboots are a good thing. Because let's think about it: does anybody own a time machine? I mean, not yeah, that I've no, that that, that, found yet. Right. Yeah. Like, no one, no one is going to go back and take away the original material and its impact on the viewers, you know. That, yeah. stuff's, that stuff's not going away. You know, your connection to it is still yours. Nobody's deleting that from your head. Now, how you how people contextualize their relationship to stuff now, whenever that inevitable reboot or remake is announced, that's up to them. That's nothing that a studio is going to control or anything like that. Yeah. So, what it's going to do? It's going to poke and prod those sensitive receptors in the brain, like the ones in my head. <laughs> All right. Um, I just have I just have bad memories of remakes and reboots. This was not one of them. But then enough time had passed where there's people that had not uh, engaged with Night of the Living Dead in the same reverence because of their age. 1990, I mean, 22 years later. I mean, if you watched it then, what are the chances your kids watched it? Right. Probably, yeah. probably 0%. Yeah. You know, um, at that point, you may have watched it at 18, so you're not 40 years old. Um, kids weren't watching black and white TV in 1990. No. Well, they didn't want to, I should say. Right. So, yeah, the remake in this and in this instant too worked very well, and I enjoyed it as a, as a remake. That's a remake. <laughs> <laughs> but then you have another one of George Romero's films in Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Which is not a remake. That's right. Per se. But a reimagining of the premise behind Dawn of the Dead. Because in actuality, when you think about it, some things are similar. But the main thing really is the uh, holding out in the mall. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, Dawn of the Dead, 2004, directed by Zack Snyder. Yeah, um, the only thing is that you know it, it pretty much could be its own standalone film, and it was for a time until uh, some greedy people said, "Hey, this worked once. Let's see what they're doing with Day of Dead," and uh, that did not have the same impact. As that Dawn of the Dead remake did. That is correct. 
and I'm still a sucker because I bought Dawn of the Dead and the Land of the Dead double double Blu-ray. But it was on sale. <laughs> but Dawn of the Dead by itself. Yeah. Well worth the price. Yeah. Definitely. And um, when we talked about it, both versions of the movie, mm-hmm. the original, 1978, 10 years after 9-11 did, and 2004 Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder, if you go, if you have the time, go Google, top 50 horror films, top 25 horror films, both versions always are in the top 25. Yep. Yeah. And there's not many other uh, movies they can even say that um, that had remakes, or and like I said, reimagining of the original story, and still have the same kind of impact and, and, and still be good and hold out on its own, which it does. It holds out. If you have never seen the original Dawn of the Dead, you can watch this and you can enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. And actually, it's a funny story. Um, when Dawn of the Dead 2004 uh, was opening up. We got tickets to go see a sneak preview. So, uh, in order to prep, I had Dawn of Dead, Dead 1978, brought to my friend's house. Like, all right, we're going to watch this before we go. And uh, my first encounter with Dawn of Dead 78 was uh, I had the big two VHS tape pack with the unrated director's cut. And, you know, this is, uh, this is about 1996, 1997. So I'm still in high school. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm watch this movie. Yeah, I've seen, I've, I've read about this on the internet because internet was actually still a thing. It was just coming, starting out, 1996. <laughs> I, that's a story for another time. Go ahead. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll t- remind me, viewers, listeners, viewers. Yeah, I'm gonna put this on YouTube eventually. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and listeners, remind me to tell you the story of 1996 in high school when I used to sit on Netscape in the chat rooms. <laughs> That's it. Sorry. Adam, you were saying? So, uh, back in the day, you know, in the 90s, I would go to all the horror movie websites and just look at stuff that I never you know, heard about, like, you know, the Beyond, Fulci. And never heard of this stuff. You know, I was just, you know, I was an Elm Street kid. You know, Friday the 13th. That was the basis of what I knew due to Saturday afternoon horror on local TV. So seeing this stuff was like a whole other world. And, you know, I'd go to Suncoast or Sam Goody. And I was, you know, looking at tapes. I'm like, okay. You know, it's time to start making a collection. So I bought... Don Dead 2-pack, you know, had the director's cut on one tape and uh, documentary on the second tape. Director's cut, you don't say? Yes. So you know what's about to happen. So one day I had a, oh, man. Had a house to myself. I go and I used a big TV. Big ass CRT. Like a 40 inch. You know, it's a huge thing. <laughs> yeah, this is <laughs> I'm cracking up <laughs> because you know, I'm in my bedroom right now, <laughs> and all the like, things goddamn small. But you know where this is going. Oh no! Oh, listen, I have a 13-inch uh, TV, if that. So I know when you go to the big TV, it's a big deal, and it's in the box, right? Yep. yep. Oh yeah, it's the box TV that. Yep. That TV doesn't move no. unless you move. That's right. Oh yeah, I got it. I understand. So I'm I'm, I'm there with you. I see it. So, you know, we had surround sound because, you know, Pops loves his gadgets. And House to Myself, Donald Dead on TV. And, uh, you know, they get to that rooftop scene about seven, ten minutes in. And squibs are going off. And I'm like, oh, well, I wouldn't. I mean, I I could watch this, but... Okay, this is serious. Movie goes on. Squibs getting a little worse. Then uh, that Afro zombie 
takes a bite out of that lady in that tenement. Uh-uh. And you see the skin ripping, pull, and tear, and it's just like, oh, yeah. I ain't never seen anything like this before in my life. But I got through it. Now, was this before or after Thriller? This is after Thriller, because Thriller was like 1982. I'm just making sure. I'm just... So we're, we're I'm in along the timeline with the listeners. Yeah. So we're in, you know, I'm, I'm 16, 17 years old at this point. So, and I, I'll tell the RoboCop story. Every year. What? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I told you the RoboCop story. Yes, I know the RoboCop okay. story. Yeah. So, uh, I keep watching. It's like you know, I'm I'm a teenager. I'm, I'm getting back into horror movies. I'm, I'm able to watch this stuff again after the RoboCop incident. And <laughs> uh, they're in the mall and they hold up, and the and the looters come up, and they tackle this guy. The zombies are getting the mall. They tackle this guy. And you see everything. You know, they're pulling people apart. His guts coming out. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, yes, those are chicken guts. But what am I seeing? (laughs) Yeah, see, um, I get it. But to me, I can actually uh, like visualize that scene. When I remember seeing it. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. I mean, it's you know, what if, what if a tiger or like a lion were to rip up your? That's a, that's what it looked like. Yeah. That'll explain the shit going on in Gates of Hell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That'll explain that tongue and that mouth doing that stuff. <laughs> it's not normal. <laughs> I don't. I can go years without seeing that movie, and that scene I can give you such a vivid description of what's going on. Well, and that that's not what happened in what you were watching. No. So be thankful. Somewhat realistic. Somewhat. Right. You were sixteen. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I was seven when RoboCop happened. Well, that's also true. <laughs> that's a fair point. Uh, so, <laughs> I still can't look at a four Taurus. Um, <laughs> we are not sponsored by Ford. <laughs> it's not Ford's fault. Paul Verhoeven. Uh, um, <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna end up happening. It's just the story's gonna come out eventually. But, uh, if he mentions it three times, he has to tell the story. Yeah. I will. We'll save it for the apocalypse episode. But um, <laughs> not to be confused with the rapture episode. No, totally different. Not totally different. Apocalypse shows the episode in a year. Anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah. So Dawn of Dead seventy eight finishes, and I'm just sitting there, and you know, it's a it's a roller coaster at the end because you don't know, because because Roger gets bit and. Uh, Flyboy, you know, turns. It's rough. And then uh, Ken Ferrari decides to hole up in his room with Tiny Derringer. (laughs) And it's like, you know, I can't watch this. I I can't see this dude go out. Then he gets his heroic badass ending that's yet to be duplicated. Making the chopper. That ending with the chopper. Flies away. The gonk plays. And I'm just sitting there. Just like, yeah, I can't. But that is that's like a watershed movie moment. Just like, okay. Like I gotta I gotta remember this because that was important. As crazy and fucked up as it was. <laughs> that was important. I mean, it's also crazy to think about that movie just to throw it in there. Uh, Francine. Francine yep. was a pretty strong character. A female yeah. character. This is 1978. Yeah. Um, well, it really, it, George Romero really started picking up with uh, his, his uh, heroines at that point. 
Jed Francine. And then uh, in Day of the Dead, you had uh, Sarah, Gloria Cardell's character. And she was just, she was tough. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, it's a great, it's, it's a good film. Um, it's great, actually. Let me see, not give it proper due. Um, not the, not, not, not all the acting is brilliant in the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, the, the effects. The effects they, are for <laughs> I don't know some people may I mean some people may watch it today you know for the first time like oh it's cheesy it's like cliche it's like fuck you you didn't see this <laughs> when we were kids when this was not this stuff wasn't happening right you know so for then um for then that to have such an image in your head and then you're gonna go watch 2004 yep and then the main thing with that is that all bets are off because these Donna's dead, dead zombies are hauling ass. Yeah, what? I think, I think, my memory doesn't always work correctly, but that's the first movie I can remember them running? Well, they oh. ran, yeah. <laughs> They, just, they, yeah, they ran in uh, Return of the Living Dead. So. Yeah, but not like this. Well, no, I mean not, this is this is amped up. They have listened to Disturbed Down with the Sickness fifty-two times before they got re- <laughs> before they got reanimated. And you know, it's just... funny not to interject, but I actually had that same song thought <laughs> when I envisioned that scene. I'm not, I'm not even joking. Like they just, they were just hopped up on new metal and sparks which is a very old drink that you kids might not know about <laughs> it's like they're gonna go shopping at a hot topic and they were up, just you know some piercings just absolutely brutal it was crazy so yeah so like so from there the original premise is upended because you don't know if uh, Sarah Polly's character is gonna make it out I mean, of course she is. She's, she's Sarah Polly. But <laughs> you don't know if she's going to make it out of her neighborhood. Neighborhoods and going to hell. She meets up with Ving Rhames. Ving motherfucking Rhames. <laughs> that's, that's his name. All right. I'll say it. You don't have to say it. Ving motherfucking Rhames. They, uh... Carry on. I'm sorry. They make it to the mall. They get harassed by the mall security who are all now hopped up on entitlement and the fact that they're still wearing their uniforms. And uh, it progresses in a completely different fashion than than uh, than Dawn Dead 1978 because there's a – I think that the main thing that stands out from 2004's presentation is that there's a friendship and camaraderie with people outside of the group in the mall. Like you've got Andy, the gun store owner, across the parking lot. And they're trading, you know, messages off of whiteboard signs. And they're playing the, you know, shoot that zombie, that famous zombie, down in the parking lot. So, you know, they're they're adapting and communicating with someone other than themselves you know they're still trying to make a life of it but you know it's a zombie movie so everything goes to shit <laughs> yeah that it, <laughs> it just you know what Vigorings makes it so enjoyable to watch and um you think it's just going to be a um, you just think it's going to be a mall movie a, you know mall zombie movie yeah but then it's not but it is <laughs> but it's better than that like there's there's a moment where they go just full on action hero shit uh 
you know, they send the dog as the lure to, to see what's what with Andy. Dog don't come back. Girl loses her mind because you can't be hurting no dog in no horror movie. So she goes to go save the dog. Andy's turned. They got to kill Andy. They got to get back. They go to the sewers. They, you know, two guns, Superman in it, down in the sewers. People getting bit, getting lost. And then they bring out the fucking Mad Max trucks. <laughs> like, it is a perfect update to the original premise of Dawn of the Dead. Um, with the yeah. downer as hell ending. Mm-hmm. Like, like, if you thought that, okay, alright, you know, Peter and Franny are flying off. They ain't got no fuel. You don't know where they're going. You know, but they make it, you see, you know, it's good to see the hero survive after a fashion. But don't nobody make it out of this movie. Nope. They, let me tell you, this also, when you're playing, when you're playing Dead Rising, yeah, and you're in the mall, this is all you think about. <laughs> think about Dawn of the Dead, yeah, 2000, 2004. Yeah, which is not ironic that it came out a couple years after this movie came out. Yeah, um, yeah, it was like the first. That was the first game I had for the 360. I saved up my money. I didn't even buy a hard drive because the hard drive was separate. The guy was like, you "Can't play the game without the hard drive." I was like, "Yes, I can." <laughs> they were like, "It's not really gonna." do anything. I was like, don't worry about it. Bought it. He was right, but I had the game, I had the console, and I played the hell out of Dead Rising because of Dawn of the Dead. Yep. Yep. And that 2004 Zack Snyder reimagining. That's right. Well, a few times I give him credit for things. Yep. And the less said about some of his future efforts, the better. So. <laughs> now, the next thing, besides reimaginings, is reboots. And what better area of expertise on this topic than Mr. Adam R. Griffin, who. We have decided to talk about this with the Evil Dead franchise. So as the foremost authority on all things Evil Dead, um, I'm just not going to talk. I'm just going to give this to you. I mean, I'm gonna, I'll talk, but just just take it away because this is, this is your baby. I don't want to drop the baby. <laughs> I don't want to feed the baby. All right. Maybe I'll come over and say, hey, cute baby. Beep, 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 beep. That's it. This is, this is you because you are so passionate about this. And I want to give you as much time as you need. The floor is yours. Wow. Um, I don't know if I can live up to that. So I'm going to start with the most obvious thing I want to say in that uh, Evil Dead is the best continuous franchise of the past 40 years. Bomb. So. the bomb. Head Mark, to we need a sound effect for that. <laughs> I don't know. That, that, that'll work for now. Pew, 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 pew. Like, you might call it hyperbole or hyperbole if you can't talk like me sometimes. But what other low-budget, let's get a bunch of friends together to shoot this horror movie franchise that started in 1979 when they started shooting. Uh, spawned. Four movies. Uh a television show, countless video games, and just legions upon legions of fans loving the universe that these films and TV series and comic books all created. Um, now, nobody knew it was going to happen in 1981 because uh, Evil Dead wears both its budget and its heart on its sleeve. Um, you can tell it is made with uh, a tremendous amount of love, grit, hard work, and working with whatever the hell you have in front of you to make the best possible product you can make. 
Um, for those of you that don't know the story, a group of friends go to a cabin in the woods uh, just for a week fun of you know weekend of fun and adventure. Um, they go snooping around into the basement, into the cellar. There is a book that is wrapped up in a manner that suggests that you should not touch it, as well as a tape recorder. They take the book. They play the tape recorder. Bad things from the dark bowers of man's domain come to reclaim their space. And in the end, there's only one person left standing until the evil force slams into him before we fade to black. But, wow. Um, if you've not seen the original Evil Dead, go see it. Stat. Uh, uh, when I was, you know, in that phase of, you know, getting tapes from Blockbuster or wherever I could find them, Evil Dead uh, was just coming off of the band list on VHS. It was not available anywhere in my state. Uh, it finally got back on VHS when I was a freshman in college. So I first saw the original Evil Dead when I was uh, about 18, 19. And it scared the fuck out of me. <laughs> because again, it's a watershed moment. Now, you know, you could be desensitized to all the horror movie imagery you want, but the first time you see this stuff, it leaves a mark. And especially when you're seeing, you know, a pencil go through someone's ankle and get worked around in a horrific Three Stooges fashion, but it ain't funny. Uh, when an axe comes down on a possessed former friend and you see the chunks quivering on a cabin floor, I mean, this stuff is indelible in its imagery, you know. Um... I mean, what is there? What is there else to say about Evil Dead One, except that you have no clue that the franchise is going to go where it goes. Yeah. Um. Like I, you know, I could, I could talk about it even more, but I will let you pontificate. <laughs> uh, I was just, I was in awe of you <laughs> speaking about Part One. Um. Yeah, I mean, you got me onto this movie because I had never seen it before. Um, it's not one of the ones that, like you said, we don't find going on, going down the aisles of the blockbuster trying to go around a movie. You know, you saw, you know, you saw the Friday the Thirteenth. You saw uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, you saw the Critters, which is I fucking love Critters. Uh, critters, um, Leprechaun, all this nonsense. Mm. One of the things we found. But you put me onto that uh, Evil Dead, and then you're like, "Well, you gotta watch Part 2 I'm like, "What? The, what? The, what could they possibly do in Part Two? It's, I mean, like, you know, you're like, oh, you just wait and see. And just, just within, the, just from going from one to Part Two, it's almost like they rebooted it right there. It's almost like they rebooted the series, just going from Part One to Part Two. That's right. Now, between part one and part two, this is the fun part. Uh, because, you know, they couldn't get the rights to show the original footage from part one when they were making part two. So that first, you know, 15 minutes is, you know, a kind of truncated recap of uh, the first movie up until where... Ash gets hit by the evil force after decapitating Linda. Uh, that's where the meat of part two kicks in. You know, like if you did a supercut of the Evil Dead movies, that would be where all the footage, all the story takes up from. Um, so that's that's an instance of you have both Evil Dead two acting as a sequel, as well as its own. Uh, reimagining of the first film's events, events while still keeping everything in play. Yeah, because first film still counts, as you'll see later. But uh, yeah, Evil Dead Two is uh, 
where people kind of get confused with the franchise, I guess, as far as, you know, tone and presentation goes. Because when uh, Evil Dead 2012 came out, everybody goes in expecting Evil Dead 2 or Army of Darkness, which again is another representation recontextualization of the events of Evil Dead 1 and 2 now crammed into, you know, five to seven minutes of the beginning of that film. So what we have is, you know, this ongoing franchise constantly reinventing itself presentation-wise while keeping everything that made the franchise what it was up to that point of reinvention. Which, you know, brings us to what Evil Dead 2012 actually is. And uh, it's not a reboot. And it's not a remake. It is a brand new Evil Dead story that, you know, just happens to have some familiar tropes that are from the same franchise. And that is the I think that's the absolute best thing they could have done. Uh, yeah, it's um, just just watched it again today, just because I was like, hey, I haven't seen it in a year. Hey, let me watch it again. It's it's you know, I know it's another movie that didn't do well in the box office. Critics hated it because people are gonna hate, and I don't trust even Cisco anymore. Or Cisco Lieber, or whatever their names are, god damn it. One died anyway, so whatever. He's not right. I don't know what his name is. Yikes. Oh. Rest in peace. Gene Cisco or Robert Ebert, whichever one of you. Must. Oh boy. This is, listen, I take the heat, don't worry. I say the things that I say. Um. <laughs> You know, a one out of four, like that's 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 bad, but it's not a bad movie. No. The only thing I do not like about this movie—that's just me. You know how I like to nitpick. It's the air siren horn every time things are going to get serious. Oh, see, I love that. Well, <laughs> not when you live in an area where there's air horns. I'm sorry. That go off for flooding. I'm I'm sorry, but but uh, yeah, that uh that moment at the end. Where the abomination comes up, and then it starts literally raining blood, and not literally. Well, literally, I literally just talked about this. No, it starts fucking raining blood in this film, and those air sirens go off. Man, yes, great moment. Yes, but not throughout the whole entire movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, here comes the bathroom scene. I'm like, oh man. I keep looking at my phone looking for emergency services alert. But that's it. Just just be being picky. Um they also kill a dog in this movie, which I didn't appreciate. No, yeah, we we don't like that here. Yeah, we're we're anti uh we're anti dogs dying in horror movies. Yep. Yeah, the dog wasn't even named Muffin. It was named Grandpa. You yeah. can't kill a dog named Grandpa. No. Exactly. Grandpa's a family protector. In all ways. Especially yeah. dog form. Yep. And why are the Jesus-looking dudes got to be the crazy ones? I'm just saying. Why they got to be looking like David Koresh? Why can't he just be a normal-looking guy? No, had to be the dude. He's the Messiah. Having to read the book. And that's fucked up. Hey, don't read this book that says don't read this book. And, you know, don't read the book that's wrapped in plastic and barbed wire. And you got to cut the barbed wire open and then take the plastic off to read the book. When the book says not to read the book, you don't read the book. But you've read the book because you always got to read the book in these situations. And then he goes, maybe I shouldn't have read the book. <laughs> At what point when you were cutting the barbed wire off the book, didn't you think to stop and say, huh, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. You know why? Because they were stuck in the middle of the woods in a cabin and they had cabin fever. It's the only thing I can attribute it to having been stuck in a cabin in the woods for a weekend with no electronics. This is back before cell phones. Back before cell phones. And Wi-Fi. 
fucking nine years old. Uh, it's going to be fun. Let's go hang out in the woods. <laughs> Fuck that. Barely any water. Anyway, I'm sorry. But, um... Yeah, it's still, like... It, it has the moments from the original, you know? Uh, it's got the hand. But a little different. Yeah. Um, the shotgun, which is iconic. Yeah. Um... And then, of course, the post-credit scene. Spoiler! It's Ash. Spoiler! Still around somewhere. Groovy. And we wouldn't quite know until 2016. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I wanted to keep it between movies, but since we're talking about it... <laughs> Listen... I was I was a little afraid that we'd get talking about Evil Dead because I knew you won't stop. So carry on. Well, I mean, we're we're gonna talk about Evil Dead again anyway. That's what I said. So I don't know if you want to do this now. Yeah. And I I, I would just mention that Ash vs Evil Dead uh, combines all elements of the franchise, repurposes them for television purposes you know and the television show is actually gorier than anything in the movies but you know we'll talk about that later but um uh before its cancellation uh they were working there or they would have hopefully worked towards bringing mia from the 2012 uh, 2016 movie no 2012 excuse me get my dates confused uh, they would have brought me. Well, in. Say, uh, it's both. You see, twelve, twelve, twenty thirteen. Yeah. So it's one of those yeah. weird ones. Yeah, uh, they would have brought her in as a character eventually. And I mean, there's there's still ways to do it down the road. But that was a that was an example. Uh, Evil Dead is, it is is an example of a franchise continuously uh, re. Imagining its own lore, if you will, and updating it and re-presenting it to audiences and turning it into something new, different, and exciting each and every time, and as well as updating how the franchise looks every time as well. Every time they do something, it's different, and it's good. It doesn't yep. fail. It doesn't fail. So, like, they've taken it and they've mastered it. And it's perfect. And I've never, ever questioned any of the stuff that they redid. Um, especially after I watched finally part two. After you threatened to kill me, I think. <laughs> or something like that. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I might be exaggerating. Um,. But um, Norman's Darkness was great, and it stands again. That one can stand by itself. Yep, it stand by itself totally. And well, they would like you to think that they <laughs> that it has nothing to do with the other two, due to copyright issues, of course. Right. Damn, damn those rights. Damn those rights. Yeah, but it does. It most it certainly does. does. And we will have a very long episode on the merits of every angle of Evil Dead. But um, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty much it. Like those are the things that we see that um, we hope that some filmmakers are using it as a chance to, as a vehicle to make better films. Um, <coughs> not Rob Zombie. Um. But other than that, like, we got some new ones coming. We got we got Saw. Yeah, and Saw even Saw is already being touted as you know, kind of a spinoff that doesn't ignore everything that happened. Yeah, so, so. that you know we we of course we've talked about the Halloween um, stuff coming out. We've got LeBron trying to make a Friday the Thirteenth movie, but he also tried to trademark Taco Tuesday. So I don't know how serious I can take this guy anymore. And yeah, his. yeah, well, you know, Le- LeBron will do what LeBron does. And if he gets results, he gets results. But if not, don't do nothing. 
And we won't talk about you. So <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, but in the end, um, you know, just, just uh, I would like everybody to keep in mind that, you know, remakes and reboots are good in the sense that it will always keep the original material alive. And, uh, you know, the, the work, the effort and hard work that those filmmakers put into those original creations at the time, that can't be taken away. So next time your favorite property gets announced for a reboot or remake, you know, try and take it in stride. Don't do a studio's work for them by talking shit. You know, if they, if they care, they'll make a damn good movie. If Is they don't that care, a direct message to everyone else or to me? Cause I, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that, that's 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 I'm everyone else. I can, I can. <laughs> that's everyone else. You, my friend, my only message to you is keep staying awesome. Uh, and with that, that has been another episode of It's Them Damn Enchiladas the podcast. You can check the show notes for all our social media info. We got Twitter, we got iTunes, we got Spotify, we got the works. As always, a uh, big thank you to podcast producer for the stars, Mark Warren, who has been responsible for making our brand of digital goodness sound oh so spectacular. So thank you for all that you do, Mark. Uh, until next time, have fun, watch horror movies. And remember to always drink responsibly and hydrate, 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 because Octoberfest looms. Octoberfest looms. Thanks again, everybody. Goodbye.